Once was a land of woe and strife Where the people were bereft of hope They prayed to their gods of might and light To deliver the heroes of old Instead they got Heroes, did you hear the quotes in my voice of moral ambiguity? They may help or may not help you at all, depends on what's in it for them. They kick and they punch and they maul and they smash. They lie and they scheme and they burn and they slash. Succeed or fail, it has to the tell. Dungeons and debacles starts now. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Dungeons and Debacles podcast. I am your host and dungeon master, Kevin. Going around the table, Hannah. I'm Hannah, and I'll be playing Talia, the human rogue. And John. Hello. I'm playing Alunadas, who I think now technically is neutral good, just sort of weird about it. <laughs> and Shane. I'm Shane, playing Alexander, the human bard. And Blake. I'm Blake, and I'll be playing Juliet, the dragonborn eldritch knight slash wizard. Okay, so last time on Dungeons and Debacles podcast, um, the Dark Companion saved Cordmus. Um, you learned that there was a uh, nasty tabaxi warlock that lived up in the hills that had been terrorizing this town on Cordmus, uh, which is the first snow. Um, you woke up to find that your valued magical items and weapons had disappeared. You found out from the innkeeper, Jared, downstairs that it was the pinch. Uh, him and his group of goblin hor- um, henchmen had came down from the mountains and stolen all the cordomous gifts from the town. Um, so you found out where he was, um, went up to the mountain, and dispatched him. At that point, you found a huge horde of weapons that you stuffed into a bag and brought back to the town um, to the delight and sharing of everyone. So that is where you find yourselves now. The uh, streets um, are filled with people as they go picking through these weapons and uh, you can hear the squills of delight as they find the uh, most recently uh, purchased Corbmus gifts and uh, find some gifts of yesteryear. So what do you want to do? Uh, Luna Dust lets out a big... Wait, elves don't sleep. Meditation yawn. And heads back to the end. Yeah, at this point, it's probably maybe like midnight. Yeah, it's time for some R&R. And then we need to get out of here now that our good friend is all healed up. Who? okay Okay, our, our oh, acquaintance. Yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, he's. Mm-hmm, yep. He's our friend. He's he's ours. Uh, so you guys uh, head on back to the inn, and you walk inside, and there's nobody here because uh, Jared and Michael are out celebrating with the rest of the town around the uh, pile of uh, rusty steel <laughs> that you dumped in the center of town. Good night. Uh, upstairs. He's got his boots. There's nothing left to do except go to sleep right now. Yes, at this exact moment. All right, so uh, I guess everybody goes up stairs and lays down for the night. Yes, indeed. All right, 
So, uh, Shane. Yes, sir. I need you to give me a wisdom saving throw. I can do that. Eight. All right. So you lie down for the night and uh, you finally get to sleep. For the most part, your sleep is pretty dreamless until uh, you feel this like dark presence in the room with you. And then uh, you find yourselves back uh, on that uh, pocket plane inside the dagger. And you're hearing Jared weep in the darkness. <laughs> and then you hear the demon say, You can't escape me. I will always be here until you die. And when you die, I'll have you back here where we can play some more. Yeah, I'll do my best not to do that. You have no choice. And then you're going to uh, wake up with a start out of the dream. And you're going to notice the daggers in your hand. I roll my eyes. Um, I would like to get up and go uh, to Nifron's room and knock on the door. You knock on the door. And after about 10 seconds, uh, you see um, the door crack about an inch. And out of the uh, lamplight from the hallway, you can see light reflecting off his sigh at, uh, that's pointed toward you. And then he just looks at you and says, Oh, it's you. What do you want? It's late. Well, you want to know whenever the, the dagger started talking to me again. So I thought now would be the best time as it just happened. Really? How? Like, how did it speak to me, or uh, how did I think that now was the best time? <laughs> what were the circumstances? Uh, I went to sleep pretty dreamless towards the end of, uh, like, recently, about, like, ten minutes ago. He drew me into his pocket plane, I guess. It was like, hey, uh, there's no escape. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. And then I uh, woke up. But it's not talking to you in your your wakefulness I think I've heard it uh, say that one should be mine whenever like one of the people died on our little quest uh, yesterday it must be getting hungry you know you should probably use that in battle more that way you don't have to go around killing innocents that does make a lot of sense have you felt it gain control of you recently um no, I haven't felt to use any like control over me. Just uh, voices in my head. That's not good, but it could be worse. It might not be a bad idea for me to lock you in your room. Yeah, I don't want to end up like uh, our guy that already freaking passed away from the dagger who killed his entire family and friends. Although, we use friends in a very loose way, but all the same. Well, do you want me to lock you in your room? Uh, yeah. That'd be good. You see him uh, take that sigh and he sticks it behind his back, presumably in, uh, like, his pants, and then he motions you to um, go to your room. I will go. Uh, he holds out his uh, hand for the key. I hand it off. So uh, he closes the uh, door behind you, and then you hear the key go into the lock, and... Uh, he locks the door. 
and then you hear his footsteps go back to his room. I will uh, try and go back to sleep, I guess. Okay, you're able to go back to sleep, no problem. Um, so you sleep through the rest of the night uh, without the demon coming back in your head. And uh, everybody's going to wake up the next morning, and you hear people moving around, and uh, you get dressed, um, but you're not hearing Nifron uh, come. And he's in the next uh, the room, or the room next to you, you share a wall. So uh, you tap on the wall, and after uh, a few minutes, uh, you hear that uh, key back in the lock, and he unlocks the door. The door swings open and he hands the key back to you and he says we'll keep this between us for now you got it everybody's up uh, you're smelling some um, some food from downstairs it smells uh, bacony bacony I am there Julia goes downstairs ready to chow down Kali does too Ditto. Is there a salad bar? Uh, no, but uh, Jared comes up to you and he says, I I see you don't eat meat. I've been paying attention, so uh, I made you a nice quiche with some uh, some spinach and some local mushrooms. That sounds lovely. <laughs> so uh, he brings out a, a big, healthy uh, wedge of uh, quiche and sits it in front of you. Mm. Wait, there's no meat in there, is there? No, no, it's just eggs and mushrooms and spinach. Good, 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 good. So, that was some heroic work y'all did last night. We could really use a group like you in town taking care of things that the gods and the council won't. So, will you be sticking around? You've made quite a name for yourselves. Well, we'll be heading on our way now. We have things to do. We only stopped by to take care of our friend over there. Oh, it'll be sad to see you go. But I'm glad your friend's feeling better. Yeah, I was feeling like death the other day. And Talia's going to spit her food out when when Alexander says uh, that he was feeling like death the other day. <laughs> well, I'll let you about your meals. Um, how much longer will you be staying? I'm not sure. We may be leaving today. Today, will you? I'd figured you'd want an, another day of rest after that must have been heroic battle with the pinch up there. What exactly happened? What did you find up in that mountain? Tabaxi, some goblins. They're dead now, so it doesn't matter too much. It's amazing you found all the weapons, and how did, how did you get them down here? You didn't have your cot. We have a wizard. She has her ways. That's so sweet of you, Lunadas. You're very talented. Pew pew. I figure you'd also want to be spending, you know, at least another day. You didn't have much of a honeymoon between you two. You got married, then you went and fought that tabaxi. What's a honeymoon? Oh, that's where, um, yeah, after you get married, well, I shouldn't have to explain this to you. And then he looks to Juliet as his uh, face turns a little red, as in, I don't know that I should be explaining this to your husband. Um, I'll be talking to him about him about it later and uh he's gonna give you a wink i'll just sort of stare at him for a little bit and shrug and eat my quiche 
Well, I'll let you about your meals. If there's anything, and I mean anything I can do, just please let me know. And before you go, I'll, I'll hook you up and get you some supplies before you leave. Thank you kindly. Too kind of you. Thank you, sir. Ah, uh, anything for you. And he's going to uh, gather up some plates from the table that aren't being used and walk into the back. It's the middle of winter. Where would we get honey? Doesn't make any sense. From the honey bears, duh. They don't make honey. Bees make honey. God, I thought honey badgers made honey. No, there's just there's good everything. thinking. You get it from their honey glands. <laughs> That's why they're Milking so aggressive. Milking honey is the worst. <laughs> well, do any of you have any business left in the town to attend to? Uh, I would just like to disseminate some of the papers, but that we can do on the way. Uh, I have some stuff I have to pick up at the blacksmith and leather worker. And we should let the uh, temple know we're going. Uh, so, Talia, as... Uh, you leave to go pick up your dagger spring and your boots. Um, you walk outside and Michael's out there and uh, he sees you come out and he's got kind of this sad look on his face and looks at you and says, uh, here, you're leaving. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta continue our adventure. Well, I'll be sad to see you go. I was hoping you'd stick around for a bit longer. Unfortunately, we just... We can't wait for the weather to get worse. We have to get going. So, will you keep your promise and bring me back some chocolate if you come back this way? Absolutely. Well, I guess I'll let you be about your business. I'm sure you've got more important things to do than to talk to a stable boy. Aw, oh, don't be like that. Do you Do you have anything you, you uh, need to do? You can come with me to pick up my... Uh, uh, things that I had made. Uh, so his uh, face lights up and he says, sure, my chores can wait. So we're going to head that direction. Okay, so you head towards the blacksmiths. Cue awkward conversations. So, the streets are muddy or snowy. Possibly both. Uh, so he uh, asked about uh, the pinch. He was like, so, did, did you strike the final blow? I didn't, but I got the first one. That counts for something. Did you get hurt? No, not at all. She lies. Uh, roll me a deception check. 21. <laughs> He's like, wow, I can't believe you fought him and all those goblins without a scratch. You must People be tend fit- to ig- Go ahead. Oh, uh, people tend to be ignore little girls. Either that, or I'm sure you're very good. That too. So this these awkward conversations uh, keep going. You get to the blacksmith, and the blacksmith uh, uh, Farron's like, uh, he's like, here you go, and hands over this uh, this spring loader uh, dagger sheath that goes on your forearm. Uh, th- he shows me how to use it. Yeah. He's like, well, here's how it works. And he takes the uh, the thing and he straps it to your forearm. And it has like these uh, leather buckles um, strapped to your arm. And then he shows you that there's like a little lever um, on the, the back or the, the top part of your forearm 
that when you flip your wrist up, it hits this little lever, and then um, you see the mechanism where the dagger goes uh, spring forward. And you can see, like uh, on the the bottom part of your forearm, it's kind of like this, uh, like a shuttle um, that has some uh, clamps that would uh, clamp your dagger in, um, but release um, once um, you flip your wrist up. So basically, in like two motions, you flip your wrist up and then back down, and from there you can grab a hold of the dagger, and the dagger releases from the uh, the clamps. Swish and flick. And, uh, uh, I. Farron's gonna I, say, "Pretty proud of that work. Never had call for anything like that. Maybe I'll put it on the menu now." Uh, I'm gonna tell him this is absolutely gorgeous work, uh, and I'm gonna tip him forty gold. Ah, uh, well, thank you. I hope it serves you well. It it will, sir. It will. And then Michael's looking at this, and his eyes are just wide, and he says. Uh, why why would you need anything like that? Protection. In case I in case I can't get to my the daggers on my on my hips. How many daggers do you have? Just seven. And you say that his eyes go wider. Oh okay. I get I guess you know what you're about. I like pointy things. And and I'm gonna and Tali's gonna blush. So, uh, <laughs> so he scratches his head and rocks on his heels for a little bit and he says, uh, well, uh, what else? Was there something else you needed to do? Yeah, the, the leather worker made me uh, a new belt with, with sheaths for my daggers and some boots with, uh, with sheaths. For, for more knives? Y- yes. Okay. And she's just gonna look at him like, I mean, I just told you I had seven knives, but like in her eyes, like, uh, duh, it, it's yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, so you go to the uh, the leather workers and you pick up the belt and the boots and um, try on the boots and the belt and they both fit and they look pretty good. And uh, he spent some time um, putting some like engravings and some scroll work on the belt and the boots and they look really nice uh, I'm going to, to tell him that it, he did absolutely beautiful work and tip him 20 gold <laughs> well thank you uh, no thank you sir these are so much more beautiful than I anticipated and I already anticipated gorgeous work okay and then Talia's going to start heading back to the hotel like storing her knives in their appropriate places now all right. Um, so you make it um, back to the inn, and Michael says, uh, "Well, I guess that should be about my chores then." I'll uh, I'll make sure to say goodbye before we leave. Okay, I'll be sad to see you and Abbott go. We've been playing a lot since you've been gone. Uh, he does seem to like you. Uh, next time we come by, I can't wait for you to see how big he's gotten. Yeah, and uh, we've we've also I've been teaching him tricks he's he's been barking a lot but i've i've taught him how to be quiet well thank you so much so you can add that to uh abbott's skill sheet the command word quiet was actually the first that was the first one he learned was it 
It was. He's quiet, stay, sit pretty, and then we're working on uh, sit and what was, oh, and uh, come. Those are the other two we were working on. So uh, then uh, Michael, uh, he's, he's not such a good dog trainer since he already knew it. <laughs> um, so Michael's going to go uh, walk away and uh, go about his chores mucking out the stalls. Uh, Lunados. There's me. So, um, you're heading to the temple. Are you going alone or are you taking somebody with you? Does anybody feel like tagging along? Then I guess I'm going alone. All right. So, um, you make it to the temple, and when you get there, you can see that there's um, some workers there that are um, taking apart parts of the, um, like, roof the lumber and you can see another construction site um, where they've started laying the foundation uh, about 50 yards away um, that's still attached to that same graveyard so it looks like uh, Shar has wasted no time in building this new temple because she's got money to throw at it I'm glad she's spending it well you are moving in between these uh these workers that are like salvaging parts of this old temple of old Mater. Um, and then you don't see anybody inside, obviously, um, because they're, they're starting to take this part. Um, but um, you walk downstairs and you are going to see uh, Lagermouse and uh, Char and then a couple of other people that you've seen previously downstairs. And they appear to be making plans and Lagermouse is going to turn and see you walk down the steps, and he says, Oh, brother, come. And I walk up and join them. Lagermouse um, says, Well, it's been a great day for our little band here. After the pinch attack, there's been quite a bit of motivation in the town to people learn to defend themselves. I'm glad to hear it. You're planning on leaving soon, so this will expedite things. We won't have to worry about anything else. Yes, yes. We've already started putting around flyers around town for for people to join my training camp, which should be up and running within the next week. Excellent. And Char is going to turn and look to you and say, As you can see, construction's already begun on the new tempo. Yes, you got started right away. We can't thank you enough for your kingly gift to make this happen. May ruin Naxus's favor be upon you. I sincerely hope so. But as I said, we're leaving if not today, then tomorrow. So, this will be goodbye, I think. I'll be sad to see you go, brother. Perhaps if you make it to the monastery, you can talk to the master about our discussion about my posting here. I'll be certain to do so. Uh, there's nothing else. We're kind of busy here making plans. Of course. I'll leave you to it. Uh, and as uh, you begin to walk away, Lagermouse is uh, going to grab your arm. And uh, you kind of go into like a defensive posture, <laughs> feeling like, you know, you're being attacked. And then he's going to hug you. I hug him back slowly and a little awkwardly. I say, those Talia scenes were awkward, but damn, dude. <laughs> so uh, he's going to let go of you and give you a pat on the arm and 
Same. Well, off you go. Good journey. Thank you, brother. Then I walk outside. All right. Is there uh, anything else anybody wants to do in town? Nope. Let's see. Were we heading up and along the river or through the mountains? I can't remember. I think we're going along the river. Because Juliet's a wuss when it comes to the cold. Hey. You're not wrong. (laughs) Well, I thought the previous discussion was you guys were going to take this uh, path, this uh, outline in red here on roll 20 through the mountains because it was going to take you like what uh like it was three days shorter it was but i wasn't going to say anything so what's the consensus you guys taking the river path along the coast or are you taking the path through the mountains i'd rather take the path through the mountains in the winter it is now the dead of winter the river route might be better uh, actually, it's not. It's like first snow, so it's it's like the the first cold snap of the year that you know may happen in you know November, October for Chicago land. <laughs> but it but it's not like January. Well, in that case, we should go across the mountains a little bit faster. Maybe we can buy uh, uh, Juliet some salamanders to keep her warm. Um, at this point. You know, it's getting colder, and is anybody really outfitted for this? You need to buy cloaks and coats? Yeah, I think we do. Well, Lunadas is from a monastery up in the way northern mountains, so I think he'd be used to the cold. Well, right, people in Chicago are used to the cold, too, but, like, if you haven't brought out your winter wardrobe... (laughs) You're like, oh, yeah, we deal with this all the time, and it's like, yeah, but you're, you're wearing shorts, dude. Wait, that's not normal. Short than an overcoat makes sense. Okay, like you're a like a middle schooler. Short than <laughs> a overcoat. Yep. <laughs> I I so uh, literally I, I have seen sixty percent of the people I know in this area go outside when it's ten degrees outside in shorts and a heavy coat. Well, I mean that kind of checks out because once you get wherever you're going, it's going to be warm inside. It's still so dumb. I have to agree with that sentiment. Anyway, sorry. I just I just had to weigh in because that's sixty percent of the people I know. That is that is their wardrobe for the winter. It's it's ridiculous. I also have to point out that Lunadas always wears socks with sandals. I mean, it's just practical. It's his chastity belt. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Japanese. God. No, I'm going with Juliet. <laughs> he might have a fanny pouch I don't know, we'll, we'll, we'll find out <laughs> Alright, but yeah We should probably do that outfitting thing Since we traveled through a desert We're not necessarily equipped for the gold Alright, so um, You're able to find a outfitter uh, In town that sells um, Like heavier woolen clothing And furs can I uh can I get something made out of the wolf skin? Uh you can, but you would probably have to take it back to the tanner and it may take like a week to tan that. Oh, I'll wait then. Um so we'll say that um you're able to find this outfitter and buy the appropriate like gear for all of you. We'll say it costs 60 gold. 
you we should also get a barrel of salt to roll up that wolf hide in. Otherwise, it'll rot. Oh, it's not a bad idea. So you're able to find that at the uh, the general store. Um, so you're outfitted with that gear, and um, you make it back to the inn, and you are going to see that Jared has packed up some supplies for you. Um, there's some oats for the horses. Um, you're going to see some um, flour and salt and some dried meat. And uh, he already has it loaded up in Alunidos's cart. And uh, he's going to say... guy. It's not just a cart. It's the mighty wind of destiny that brings change. God. <laughs> What's that in Portuguese? Ventana... Uh, a destina que bota o cambio. Sure, that's probably bullshit, but. Sorry, <laughs> in Portuguese. In Spanish. Um, so uh, Jared's gonna say, I get y'all packed up and ready to go. No, no, I won't hear any protest. It's the least I can do. Thank you so much for all of your help and generosity. It's very much appreciated. I'm gonna run up to him and give him a hug. Oh. And uh, quietly mouths what Juliet just said to himself. Very much appreciated. That's what she said. <laughs> so uh, Jared's going to pat you on the head. And he says, Nah, nah, girl. Said, I know you're kind of growing attached to this area. You just take care of yourself now. Take care of your friends there. I will. Don't worry. I've heard what a ca- uh, capable girl you are. I do my best, and she's just gonna smile and and head back to the the group. And then uh, Michael is uh, going to uh, walk up to you and says, uh, "Well, I didn't give you this on Quarzmus because the the pinch had it, but I, I found it in the the pile. It's it's my gift to you." And uh, he, from behind his back, pulls out this uh, dagger. That's about uh, a foot long. That has uh, it's like a wood, like a dark wood handle, and uh, a steel pommel and hilt, and it's got kind of like this thin silver work that's inlaid onto the handle. And he says, uh, uh, I, "I know how much you like knives." It's so pretty, and she's she's gonna look at the at the dagger and then like hug him. Oh, and he he whispers in your now you got eight. I know, I'm so excited. An even number. I'll miss you. <laughs> I'll miss you too. Hopefully we come back through here, and, and when we do, I will bring chocolate. That'd be great. And he's going to try to sneak a little peck on your cheek. She's she's going to blush and, and, and just be super uncomfortable, but, you know, she'll figure it out. <laughs> Stab her through the things. throat. Uh, nah... So uh, he awkwardly uh, he, the the hug awkwardly the hug ends and he goes over and and walks over to uh, Jared's side and Jared says uh, I guess you best be off before the sun sets too far. There's a small encampment that you'll pass probably about mm, six hours in, but I think you could probably make it there by sundown. And don't let any of the gods give you any lip about paying. Y'all heads to this town now. Oh, don't worry, we won't. Well, we weren't planning on paying anyway. Probably. Doesn't sound like something we'd do. Anyway, goodbye. <laughs> you say that in character? Yep. 
he kind of like gives you a look and he says all right then as if that was kind of like out of character from what he's seen of you so far for you just to say uh yeah we're not going to pay that's not who we are and then i think juliet said goodbye as well uh yes i don't remember what i said but something to the effect of goodbye thanks all right so uh, you guys mounting off up and uh taking off i'm ready yay nay yeah let's, let's yep, we're off yep let's hit the road all right so uh you mount up and um you are moving your horses through town and you're going to see people out on the streets uh smiling and waving to you and you know you, you hear every now and then thank you thank you so much people are you know saying stuff like uh heroes of god saviors of of cordmas and you even hear people say heroes of allos point you should go to the temple of cord there's a new cord temple being built and i point northwestish talia's gonna lean over to alexander and be like this is super weird to be heroes I mean, are you saying that we weren't heroes before? I wasn't. I was. Don't know about you guys. Well, I mean, every every villain is the hero in their own story. And Aluna Dust definitely thinks so. So, uh, you're getting the impression you've made quite the name for yourselves in this town? Well, shit, that's gonna com- complicate things. Yeah, <laughs> it probably is. Um, so you make your way through town, and you make it to the gates um, that lead into the mountains and um, you're going to see uh, two guards standing outside them and uh, one of you uh, motions um, one of them motions for you to stop and then a uh, another guard like elbows them and he says no let them go through and uh, he's going to uh, tip his, uh, his little conical uh, helmet that he's got to you and then waves to uh, to you as he motions you to go through the gates. Thank you, thank you, and Merry Cordmas. And Merry Cordmas to you. Thank you so much for everything you've done for the town. Safe travels up in the mountains there. So uh, you guys make it uh, through the gates, and you're starting to travel uh, down this pass. Um, much like you did before when you were headed to uh, Widow's Peak, you follow the path and probably about three or four uh, hours in um, you're going to um, start seeing um, some like heavier tracks of some traffic that's gone through here and uh, you'll travel for about another four hours before you come upon this encampment that Jared was talking about and it looks like it's kind of a not like a semi-permanent camp but um, where most of the travelers will stop and camp for the night, kind of like a rest area through these mountains. And at this point, uh, it's starting to get dark, so you're probably going to camp here for the night. Yep. So we tie up our horses, uh, get everything stowed away in the wagon, and dibs on sleeping in the wagon. All right. So uh, the night goes by uneventfully, um, for the most part, until about 4 o'clock in the morning. And um, you are going to start hearing these wolf howls all through these mountains. And it gets really, like, loud. And and it kind of feels like you're surrounded by them. 
uh, on all sides, but you don't know if that's just the echoes of the howls through the canyons. Um, but um, you're just going to hear them and not see anything that night. Um, you wake up the next morning, uh, you do your breakfast deal and get back on the road. Um, so you're going to travel for about uh, another day through here, and uh, you're going to come across another campsite probably about an hour before um, sunset, and you just decide to stop here for the night because it's already set up. It's a good thing they have so many waypoints here. Must be well-traveled. Well, Can it's you just save I, slot two for this one. <laughs> well, it's like how far can a cart travel in a day? And this, you know, that's basically, you know, where these things have been set up. It's like, okay, well, here's a good place to camp. And then over the, the, the decades, you know, these have become semi-permanent camping shelters and places. So there's even like shelters here um, that people have, you know, built um, that people stay in and not really add improvements to but they'll uh, keep it up um, so about um, two o'clock in the night everybody um, is anybody setting uh, guards actually it's funny that you of should course. mention that where did I put that there's a spell that I can use as a ritual alarm hey I have a question uh, yep so, Linodos is an elf, right? Yep. And he meditates to sleep, right? Yep. Yep. And he's completely conscious and aware of everything around him while he does that, right? Mm, not really. It's functionally exactly the same as sleeping. Okay, because I remember... Meditation because elves are special. Yeah, I remember it being like you were conscious during the thing, but I guess I was wrong. Now, if he was a warforge or something, it would be different. Okay, so uh, you're casting alarm. Yes, indeed, right on the cart. Okay, so uh, it's in an area within range that's no larger than a twenty-foot cube. Uh, until the spell ends, an alarm alerts you whenever a tiny or larger creature touch- touches or enters the warded area. When you cast the spell, you can designate creatures that won't set off the alarm can also choose whether alarm is mental or audible. All yep, right, so, so that, that alarm tells is going to be audible. But that only tells us if somebody touches the cart. It's not going to tell us if somebody comes close by. In a oh, 20, it's an area. Yeah, it's a 20-foot cube. So the the like the the path and valley that you're on is probably at least 100 feet wide. And you're off on one side of the uh, the road that goes through here. So at least I'm absolutely safe. All right. So um, what order are you setting your uh, your watch in, or are you just putting up alarm and everybody's just going to sleep? No, little Das will take first watch. Yeah, I was gonna say we should we should set a watch. We have to. Yes. all right so um who like what order so we're gonna have alunados juliet uh alexander or talia do either of you want to set up watch yeah i'll play my uh i'll play my freaking accordion 
I don't think that's such a good idea for us to s- when we're sleeping. That's the joke. It's a terrible idea. You should play the silence accord. <laughs> is that a thing? It is that. He means silence. All right, so uh, Alexander, you would be on third watch. Yep. Uh, give me a perception check. I shall perceive. 23. All right. So um, you're on third watch and everybody's asleep and you're tending the fire and you hear this distant roar um, coming from, you think, you know, miles away, but it's uh, reverberating through this valley. So you think that it's like incredibly loud. Uh, Give me a nature check. Nature check. I can do that. Eight. I'm really good at that. Um, you. It. It doesn't sound like um any creature that you've heard before. Not like a bear or a mountain lion or anything like that. But you think. I mean, it's just incredibly loud, and you don't know anything that would make a roar like this. Um, for as far away as it sounds like it is. That's pretty wild. Uh, and then about a uh, an hour later, you're going to hear it again, and it sounds closer. Hmm. Uh, give me another perception check. Thirteen. Um, you're also going to hear like this, like whoosh, whoosh, whoosh sound. How far away? Um, it sounds like it's still maybe like a mile away, which is. Uh, worrisome that you could hear something like that um, from like a mile or two miles away in your estimation uh, I I will wake up Juliet oh what is it what is it hey Juliet sorry to bother you but the yeah there's some loud ass like weird noises coming from like a mile that way and it's been closing in on us so I'm not sure if I should just like wake everybody up but uh it's pretty ominous Okay, so I'm going to ask you a series of yes or no questions, and we're going to figure out what this is. One, does it sound very big? Yes. Does it sound like it's flying? No. Does it sound like it's heading directly towards us? Pretty close. So that would be a yes. Great. Uh, Julie, give me a perception check. So I remember there being something about a, a dragon living up here, and uh, it's going to be a five. <laughs> um, you, like, you know, listen around, and you don't hear anything. And then uh, you're up for probably about ten minutes, and uh, I guess you sit back down, and you're, you're still listening. And then you're going to hear a roar that's much, much louder and closer. Okay, douse the flames, douse the flames. So, uh, you put out the fire. <laughs> are you guys waking anybody else up? Yes, we are waking everybody up. <laughs> Alright, so... You wake everybody up. Now, everybody give me a perception check. My time to shine. 18. 26. Uh, Juliet, you want to give me a perception check? Another one? Okie dokie. Yep. It's going to be a 13. All right. So uh, at this point, you're going to hear a couple of things going on. Juliet and Nifron, you are going to hear this 
whooshing sound again. This whoosh, 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 whoosh. Um, Alunidas and Alexander, you are going to hear that too, but you're also going to be hearing like these heavy, heavy, like footsteps and like this crashing through like trees and branches and brush coming up on this, uh, this mountain line, um, up above you to your, uh, north and, uh, this crashing is uh, getting louder and louder. It certainly doesn't sound like it's flying. It sounds like it's crashing through the trees. Um, give me a... I mean, maybe it's flying very, very badly. But... Uh, give me an intelligence check. 16. Um, you are thinking that these are two distinct sounds that have nothing to do with each other. Oh. They are mighty not related to each other. Um, so the... Whooshing and thudding? So the whooshing sounds like it's coming from your northwest, and then the um, the crashing sounds sound like they're coming from the north, and they're starting to get louder. Oh, they're coming from different directions. Hmm. Should we run? Hide? Hiding probably seems like a good idea. I don't think running is going to help us since we can't see. Yeah. I can see. Great. (laughs) I suppose let's go ahead and hide then. So we are going to move the horses and the wagon to a spot that's either under brush or closer to a wall somewhere where they'd be covered. All right, so... You are seeing some like scraggly brushes and uh, some trees um, behind the camp area here, but you're not really seeing like, uh, you know, like a forest that you could hide in uh, behind. There's a couple of boulders that you could maybe move the cart behind. I have an idea. I would like to use Major Image, my level three spell, to make it uh, give some sort of cover underneath us, over us, like a. Like a big batch of trees or something to hide us from view. Um, okay. Can you put that spell card up so we can see it? All right. So that would work. So uh, you move over to some of these trees and the, the boulders, and you are going to cast major image in the, the form of some dense trees. Yep. All right. So you're behind these trees, and then you're going to hear this this crashing sound get louder and louder and then um, you are going to see give me a a, a perception check again everybody 21 11 13 Uh, alright so um, Juliet Alunidas and Alexander you are hearing this uh, sound up on this northern um, mountain line and um, you're looking up there, and all of a sudden, you're going to see three giants come bursting out of uh, these trees. And what you see first is like some of the like this explosion of like uh, rock and some pebbles and some snow that's hitting the ground. And as they're they're uh, like running down this mountain, like all this stuff's being thrown out in front of them as uh, debris. And um, 
it appears that they're either running towards or running away from something. But uh, they appear to be running down this line to the road and heading straight for you. You think they're friendly? They might be friendly. Do you want to be the first one to go out and ask? Nah. I'm not big. They would like big people. Julia should go talk. Um, so... <laughs> They make it to the, the bottom of this mountain down into the road, and you're going to see all three of them stop to kind of catch their breath and uh, turn around and look up the mountain ridge. And uh, I think it's probably a pretty good place to end it right there. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dungeons & Debacles podcast. If I could ask a halfling-sized favor, give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's the best way to support us. New episodes come out every Monday, so make sure to check your podcast app. Do you have an idea to make the podcast better? Tell us about it on Twitter or Facebook. You can also check out our website to see all the maps, lore, and characters at DungeonsAndDebaclesPodcast.com. And now a word from our fantasy sponsor. Have you been injured in a fight between a group of adventurers and town thugs? I'm Hamish the Hammer, and I can get you the gold you deserve. I was minding my own business when a fight spilled onto the streets. The next thing I know, an arrow hits me in the leg. I'm a stable hand and I need me legs. They had to cut it off when the rods set in. That's a day I won't forget, that's for sure. The Hammer got me the gold to get me a peg leg, in compensation for my time away from work. Thank you, Hamish. It's a story you hear every day. A man gets caught up in a fight that isn't his. Going to the town guard or petitioning the leader of your village takes too long when you need gold now. My professional team of negotiators gets to the root of the problem and persuades them to do the right thing. I don't get paid unless you do. Send a raven with a message about your problem to Luskane, care of Hamish the Hammer, for a free consultation. The Hammer gets you what they owe. With him and get married to have children, raise them to leave be evil right fucks. Away. <laughs> I, I guess my question is, what the fuck are you cutting his head off for? Um. He made her feel something. <laughs> Actually, so so I, I, it's going to happen, so I'm just going to tell you my plan. So basically, we're going to go out for a walk in the woods. That's that's the current plan, is to convince him to go for a walk in the woods, you know, see all the pretty flowers and shit. Um, at some point, I'm sure he's going to try to kiss me, and that's going to freak me out, and I'm going to kill him. And then I'm going to cut his head off to make it look like someone else killed him. <laughs> I think that's the current plan. <laughs> You never forget your first time. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we can explore that. Alternatively, we could just not do that. I know that's been the plan for a while, but <laughs> we could not. It hasn't been in my plans. <laughs> it really? Because I'm pretty sure you were the one who said that, uh, I, that he should be the first skull I collect. Although now I have the, the pinch, so I don't really need his skull. Whatever you think will make Talia happy. The music you heard on this episode was Snow Queen, Dark Standoff, Crowd Hammer, Rights, Long Road Ahead, and Drums of the Deep by Kevin McLeod in Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. CreativeCommons.org. 
slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0.